listening to the Root of All Eagles podcast, where, where, where we break down the latest news about your beloved birds. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! Hit it! And now, your host, James Webb. Fly, Eagles, fly. And welcome to the Root of All Eagles podcast. I'm your host, James Webb. And I'm very excited to be bringing you the very first episode of the Root of All Eagles podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be breaking down the Eagles loss to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Okay, enough time has passed. It's time to talk about the Super Bowl. While it might still hurt and will do for a long time to have come that close. And for the game to have ended in the way that it did going to be a bitter pill to swallow for a while but it's not all bad in philly we're looking for a good off-season return in 2023 we'll cover all of that here on this podcast including free agency and the nfl draft in the coming episodes so make sure you stick around back in february 12th state farm stadium in glendale arizona man it was looking so good had it not been For that fumble return for a touchdown, we'd have likely gone into halftime up by 17 points against the Chiefs, if not more. We had all the momentum, all the momentum in that game. I mean, we literally did exactly what we wanted to do on offense. But that play, that Hurts fumble, just put a dent in the momentum just enough to allow the Chiefs to stay within striking distance. The Eagles had a great half. Jalen Hurts was finding his guys and evading pressure extremely well. In fact, one of the plays before the fumble stood out to me with Hurts rolling out towards his right, seeing the pressure and spinning back out left to find Zach Pascal for a first down. That sort of play from your quarterback makes you feel comfortable for a moment. Like, hey, these guys can't touch us. We're actually going to win this thing, aren't we? And then, of course, the beautiful game that is professional football that we love punches you in the gut and reminds you just how cruel this game can be and how quickly things can change. Hurts played a sensational game. You couldn't ask for much more from your quarterback. But when he takes that hit and the ball gets knocked out, How often do you see those strip fumbles pop up so perfectly into the hands of a linebacker in stride? The Chiefs were so fortunate on that. Maybe they recover it, but typically it's bobbling around. And by the time they drive on it, the rest of the offense is there to at least avoid any major catastrophe. As we know, that wasn't the case for us. As that fumble got returned for a touchdown. But such is life, and the Chiefs get back into it in a hurry. But then look at how the birds responded. A methodical drive took us all the way down the field, went for it on fourth down. Jalen Hurts converts and picks up a big run, then runs again for the touchdown, and we're back in front. Defense forces a punt with 90 seconds to play, and we're going down the field again to pick up three more points and head into the locker room with a 10-point lead. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I remember exactly where I was at halftime. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings 
with some friends and uh, I can remember sitting there at halftime, confidence through the roof, feeling sky high about the Eagles and how we were playing in the first half. I, in fact, left Buffalo Wild Wings at halftime and I went home because in my mind it was a wrap already. Man, 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 was I wrong. During that halftime break, I knew that the first drive of the second half would be crucial to the outcome of the game. The Chiefs touchdown would mean they're back to a three point margin and that spells trouble. If we could have held the 10 point lead and got the ball back, we could have extended the gap and maybe just put the game out of reach. But what happened? Mahomes and the Chiefs came out into the second half, flew down the field and brought the game back to a field goal margin worst possible case scenario. And we had our opportunities to stuff them too. Third down, run play to McKinnon for a first down and more. Our defensive line started to get bullied by the Chiefs. The gaps for Isaiah Pacheco throughout the second half were far too big. And on the scoring play, Darius Slay just lost his man. I love Darius Slay. He's a sensational defender and he's been so great for us. Really embrace Philly football, and I'm glad to see him come back. But that play is an Andy Reid special that's just so hard to defend. The Eagles are in man coverage on the outside and in the goal line situation. Any movement at all can cause confusion. So when Kadarius Tony motions across, you can see Slade point to one of his defenders to communicate the motion. However, what he then does is turns his attention away from Tony completely and gets caught staring into the backfield. Tony spins and cuts back outside and he now has nobody covering him at all. While it's a great play call for the Chiefs and one of Andy Reid's top shelf coverage beaters, Slay should have never taken his eyes off of Tony until he'd seen him go across the formation wide open touchdown and a dagger to the Eagles. However, the offense continued to deliver, driving down the field and giving us another three points. And again, I couldn't say enough good about Jalen Hurts in this game. He might not have been called upon all that much in the playoffs. He managed those games without needing to perform anything heroic. But on the biggest stage, when it mattered the most, he was right there leading the football team back up six and that's when the punt return sunk me until that moment you're kind of thinking okay for everything that's happened so far in the game we're still up by six points and our defense is capable of getting a stop but when you pin the defense within the five yard line having barely been off the field for five minutes the results were almost inevitable what i will say is how the hell we allow the exact same thing to happen again. That's coaching. I'm sorry, but when Kadarius Tony was wide open for that touchdown, there needed to be communication of some sort to figure out how to defend that motion against man coverage. By all means, stick to man coverage, and I don't know what the answer is, but at least make the team aware of it. The very next drive down on the goal line, and they ran the exact 
Same thing this time on the left side of the formation. This time it's Sky Moore, had a very quiet season. But anybody can beat you on those motion plays. It's just personnel matchups and confusing the defense without giving them time to react. It's one of the great ways to create separation in the red zone, especially against good corners. You can see those get the better of the very best sometimes. It's just unbelievably frustrating that it happened twice. And Gannon, absolutely no answer for it. Like I said, even if it's coaching. The defense had its problems in the second half. Pacheco had so much room up the middle repeatedly. We were sending Reddick and our guys off the edge. who we were not getting home for the majority of the second half. And we were exposed up the middle. A couple of felt safety blitzes didn't help. And it just felt like Steve Spagnolo, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs offense had the better of what had been a phenomenal defense all season long. And Jonathan Gannon seemed like he had multiple times last season. Failed to make an adjustment. And of course, the holding penalty that will haunt me. I'm sure it's haunted you and will still haunt all of us, Philly. For a very long time. You can't call that there, man. On the big stage, in the final moments of the Super Bowl, you just can't call a bang-bang play like that holding. It ended the game in the worst way. Unforgivable. And I know James Bradbury came out and admitted that it was a hold. But that exact scenario happens 100 times in a football game. More than half of them go under the radar. In the Super Bowl, simply just not the time to start calling out those plays. Not to mention all the missed penalties on the Chiefs. Anyway, I thought this was interesting. CJ Garner-Johnson posted a tweet in response to Jonathan Gannon's podium interview, tweeting, You ain't put us in a position to make plays. Clearly, there was a feeling in the locker room that the defense had been let down by their coordinator. How far that feeling extended beyond CJ, we don't know. And of course, he's now in Detroit. Yet the feeling of what if, of course, remains. Philly allowed Isaiah Pacheco to run for 76 yards on 15 carries, averaging 5.1 yards per attempt. Compare that to Miles Sanders, who averaged 2.3 per attempt, and Kenneth Gainwell, who averaged 3. They combined for 37 yards total. Both had 7 carries apiece. Without Jalen Hurts, we had very little movement in the run game. The Chiefs defensive line plugged anything up the middle, which we did not do. Mahomes ran for 44 yards on practically one leg, and Jarek McKinnon had just four carries for 34 yards. 8.5 per carry. 8.5. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and the man they pay half a billion dollars only had to throw the football for 182 yards. Two short, easy touchdowns that I myself could have completed wide open in space. It was just heartbreaking to come to terms with. Jonathan Gannon has, of course, moved on to Arizona. And although, I mean, I guess it's the nice thing to say that I wish him the best, especially now that he has to be the one to deal with Kyler Murray. The Eagles have 
signed Sean Desai as his replacement in the defensive coordinator role. Desai was with the Bears from 2013 to 2021, moving through the ranks into the defensive backs coach and eventually the team's defensive coordinator in 21. He was in Seattle last season as an associate head coach to Pete Carroll and now lands in Philly. We'll talk more about the new coaching staff in episode number two. Tough end of the year, but it feels great to have been in the Super Bowl again. This is the second time in five years that the Eagles have been in the Super Bowl. Dallas, what is it, the past 28 years, hasn't even made it out of the divisional round of the playoffs. So when you're talking about success recently, and when I say recently, I mean over the past 20 years, the Eagles definitely, in my opinion, have something to be proud of. I just got to laugh to myself a little bit. I remember back in 2017, the Eagles draft when David Akers came up and he reminded the Dallas Cowboys fans that the last time that Dallas won a Super Bowl, their draft picks weren't even born. Man, that was great content, by the way. Anyway, the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era, Kansas City Chiefs will go down as one of the very best teams in the history of the game. And I'd rather go toe-to-toe with the very best and come up three-point short than lose to anybody else. We'll retool for 2023, and it feels like we're all set to get back to the Super Bowl. I would pitch our roster against anybody in the NFC right now. No doubt about it. Anybody in the NFC, I'm taking our roster over. And I feel confident in us being able to win. We have two exceptional wide receivers in A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and a quarterback who knows how to throw them open and find them in space. The A.J. Brown trade last year was a home run and one of my favorite Howie Roseman moves of his entire career with the Eagles. We retained a lot of our key veterans and the core of this team, especially in the locker room, bringing back Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay. It's all big for us. Of course, Miles moved on to Carolina, but we got Rashad Penny in from Seattle. A move I like, although I do have some concerns about the run game right now. Do we draft John Robinson? That's something we'll discuss in the upcoming free agency and draft episodes. There's a lot to dig into there. Two first round picks, having a top 10, having made it to the Super Bowl the previous year is a real luxury. So thank you for that, New Orleans. We appreciate you. I have a lot of opinions on what we should do with that pick, but I want to save that for a future episode. Defensively, we've lost a couple of pieces, but nothing we can't work around. We're going to need some guys to step up. I want to see more from N'Kobe Dean in year two. Also, Jordan Davis. I need, I need to see more from Jordan Davis in year two. I don't think that Jordan Davis is a bad player or or even we can start the conversation of him underperforming his pick where he was drafted because we our our defensive line was so deep last season. And let's be honest, how are you going to get much time when you're playing behind the likes of Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat? I mean, it's just hard. But one thing that I do realize 
is that Jordan Davis, when he was in, he was quietly effective against the run. Very, very effective against the run. We lost Hargrave. That's probably the big one. But again, everybody who left, we already have guys in the locker room that can step into those roles. We used our rookie sparingly this season, and they've had a year to learn. Now we need them to perform. And that's going to wrap up the first episode of the Root of All Eagles podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to us. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and go ahead and like us on Twitter at Root of All Eagles. And we'll be back next episode to talk about the new coaches, the departures and the additions. And remember, fly Eagles fly. Thanks for checking out another episode of Root of All Eagles podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Root of All Eagles. And make sure you stay tuned for the next episode.